This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. Hello and welcome to the Rice's Stroll Purview Podcast. My name is Eddie Plout, the podcast director and producer, and today I'll be talking with Associate Professor of History, Dr. Alex Bird, about Childish Gambino's hit single and music video, This Is America. Gambino, the stage name for actor, comedian, and rapper Donald Glover, released the video in May of this year to widespread critical acclaim, the work, a, uh, the work a profound piece of commentary on intense social issues. Dr. Bird gave an insightful lecture on the historical context and themes of the piece a couple of weeks ago, and we are now lucky enough to have him here today. Dr. Berber, how are you doing today? I'm holding on. I'm happy to be here. I, I've never been in this room, though I have been in this basement <laughs> into many the basement times. Of yeah. the <laughs> so this used to be the microfilm, just really? microfilm all throughout here. So I, I've spent a lot of time in here when it was less fancy. Mm-hmm. And more miserable, right? Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so sort of to start off, one point that you made at the beginning of your lecture, which I thought was like a very profound idea, is, is how lucky you feel you felt to live in this artistic moment what did you really mean by that you felt fortunate to exist in such a pivotal time in american cultural history so i i said fortunate because uh i've uh, i'm not especially pleased with the moment that i live in and i imagine that i i mean i'm happy to be alive <laughs> but uh, the, the politics of american society right now um Aren't uh, on many levels. I, I I don't find encouraging. And when my when my friend um, sent me the the link to This Is America, um, I felt like I was watching something that my grandchildren might ask me about. And so m- maybe that's just a um, a part of getting older. <laughs> and th- on that day, I reached that moment. But but I also think it was part of just being even more conscious than I, that, than I am normally, that I am in um, a, a moment of historic import and I should pay more attention. Okay. So the first topic that you I think you got into for the most part when we you started your lecture, which I thought was very interesting, was to not focus specifically on the video itself, but more to what it invoked. What sorts of images and senses did it invoke? And uh, a lot of things you touched on were the musical themes, the visual themes. Could you talk a little bit about the, like, the different things it invoked for you? Well, so I spent a, a good part of the, of the opening of the lecture talking about the, the state of African America right now and what it means to be black, especially demographically and trying to point out the, the, the ways in which the opening of This Is America, I think, uh, allude to my ear and hopefully to the ears of, of, of many others to um, Afropop, to um, diasporic connections, black diasporic connections in, in music and culture. And so I wanted to spend some time underlining a point that a lot of Afro-American historians have called our attention to, and that's just how important Africa is and especially African migration to this moment in time, to defining um, the scope and nature of American blackness now. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's something that's especially obvious on, on college campuses when, when people see, or I hope see, the, the, the number of black students who are 
um, African, uh, first generation, America, first um, one and a half generation. Mm-hmm. You talked a lot about, I remember the like proliferation of, of African, not like African born um, mm-hmm. migrants to the U.S. as opposed to the uh, traditionally very American African population. Right. Our, 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 our black population is extraordinarily native. It is one of the, in, in terms of the imported, in, in terms of the, um, the, the, the folks who colonized this um, continent, the, the black population is typically among, uh, among the oldest. Um, but that is, that is, has changed in very important and dramatic ways, and demographers and sociologists have called our attention to the fact that for, for the present limits of the United States, um, African migration at this moment is as important as it has ever been in, in the history of what we now know as, as the United States. More to that point that I thought was very interesting um, that you brought up is the imagery, especially of school children and of the dances, actually the dance they're doing, the Guara Guara, uh, South African, d- directly invoking not just like social American black issues, but also that of apartheid being yeah. a very prominent, like a very clear reference to apartheid themes in the video. And uh, I really liked the um, this tie-in that uh, that you brought up because usually when we when an American might view this video, they see it strictly from an American lens, from the issues that affect like black Americans. Uh, how do you think like Glover is corroborating the experiences of blacks worldwide to one of to an American context, or is it more, or is it more, or do you think that's like too much of a read into it? Do you think he's trying not really trying to? Tie so it all I don't. So I don't much? know. One of the things about approaching the video like I did is that I didn't have to know anything or much at all about Glover. <laughs> I figure if y'all wanted a, a contemporary culture expert, you would have gone and got mm-hmm. one, but you got me. And so um, a, a kind of natural extension from the Afropop themes, and this is this, maybe this is more personal and um, ego, egocentric than, than it should be, is just from my, my situation as someone who grew up um, in the 80s and 90s, who was in college in the 80s and 90s, when I, when I looked at those school uniforms, um, the, the protest of South African school children is what came to me. And I don't know that it would have come to my children watching that. And I don't know if it, if, if it came to you. Yeah, it's actually, that was, a, that was something that I thought was very interesting was for my, I think for my generation, the image of school children was actually intentionally tied to gun violence. Mm-hmm. Like the one point that I felt the very first time I watched This Is America is there's a like unbreakable tension the entire time that you see these school children after there's some dramatic, violent scene in the video. And there's a constant fear that the kids are next. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like for my own generation sense an association of when you see um, school children in some association with guns, it's related to school shootings. So I think that it's actually like there's almost a cool generational understanding is for you. The association is very clearly one with like, um, school protests and apartheid in South Africa. Whereas for mine, it's like, oh my God, those kids are going to get shot. They're the ones who are next. And I, I think that's intentional. I always got, I got the impression the whole time that he wants us, to, that Gambino wants us to think the whole time the kids are going to get shot. Next. I hope it's intentional because mm-hmm. I don't want it to, I don't want to just be reading into, yeah. and, and by hope is intentional. I, mm-hmm. I hope that 
Um, I, I see what you see in it is probably more intentional um, for, for for Glover than what I see. I I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the by using the guar guar, especially by mm-hmm. direct um, evocation of Afro pop sound and visual that is like very African. Like I, I'm sure that there is a, a tie into both. I think there is some sense of like that time is a circle. That like the issues look the same but manifest themselves mm-hmm. in different ways. So more to that point, I think one of the most interesting ideas that you brought up in discussion, especially of gun violence, was around one of the lines in the song is the look how I'm living now. Police be police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. Guns in my area. I got the strap. I got to carry them. And it was about the kind of duality of gun ownership in the U.S. Uh, First, obviously, you had a discussion of like the intensely prevalent social issue of like gun ownership and gun control by um, by Americans at large. Mm-hmm. But then you also put it in the context of black gun ownership. Could you talk a little bit about yeah, that? So, so African-American gun ownership is a, is a complex issue historically. And, and I, I meant to call attention to the, to the ways in which um, guns and the possession of guns and use of guns have been an important part of the black freedom struggle um, in in this country and defining um, black citizenship as well, Um, pointing especially during the talk to Ida B. Wells' work on lynching uh, in in the South. And um, she was a a journalist and former school teacher and activist who did really important work in anti-lynching in the late 19th century and early 20th century and actually bringing a scholar's eye to the topic of lynching. And one of the things that she argued in trying to uncover the, the, the facts of lynching, she made the argument that one of the things that she found when lynchings were averted, they were averted because black people had guns and weren't afraid to use them and that the lynch mob was fundamentally, this is part of our argument, that the lynch mob was fundamentally cowardly. Uh, and, and so being armed was a critical part of, of self-defense in the South in, in moments of extraordinary um, violent white supremacy. Um, and they've been an important part of the civil rights movement afterwards with gun clubs in the, in the 1940s and 1950s and 1960s. Um, with the display of guns in the in the, in the Black Power movement in the nineteen uh, seventies and, and afterwards, and so African American history makes this issue of gun violence or, and guns and the possession of guns really complex and gives you and and, and gives you pause. I think at, at moments. Now I don't pause too much. I want to rush to say that um, at, at least me personally, I'm able. I, I see the important roles that that gun, guns have played in black freedom struggle and a defining citizenship for African-Americans. Um, in 2018, um, I, I think the cost of willy-nilly rights to, to, to purchase and, and, and bear arms without restriction, um, the, the costs for me personally are, are, are higher than the, than the gains or the benefits. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I, again, like to that point, I think Gambino raises the interesting issue that it is more it's complicated inevitably it is it is pro- likely a net uh benefit to not 
that the proliferation of guns is a net negative, that it's a bad right. thing. But I think that with this line, like, um, and as is common in a lot of black music and rap especially, is this idea of the necessity of, of gun ownership for personal safety in a, in a world, in a society so actively designed against your best interests. Right, and calling attention, um, he is specifically, to the ways that even under the best of circumstances, historically, that the police have functioned in, in Afro-America, that, that the police, um, black communities were either um, terribly under-policed or terribly over-policed, but hardly ever properly policed, ha- hardly ever um, were, were police um, peace officers in, in, in that sense. And so the idea that a lot of guns in minority um, neighborhoods are used to solve problems and address is- issues that the police are charged to solve and address in, in, in other neighborhoods and areas is, a, is an important one to struggle with. Yeah. But don't, right, is an important one to struggle with. I think to transition sort of this I- same idea of the complicated relationship between African Americans and their society at large, not just with the police, I think that Doreen St. Fe- uh, Felix, in her New Yorker article, made a really good point that there's almost a like a very distinct duality to Glover's actions in the video that, and I quote, uh, this is what it's like. Glover's video seems to say to be black in America at any given time vulnerable to joy or to destruction. When his character is not dancing, he is killing. And I think that this is a really, a really interesting way to lens to view the video from because when you watch the This Is America video, the moments that are that break any of the clearly very fake and parodied and mocking of social media culture of American superficial American consumerism are like intensely violent moments is there's never there's never really a happy medium there's never really anything but the most parodied extreme versions of of those two ends and i think i I think that was a really that's a really interesting point is that like i think this is really a lens through which a lot of americans view black life is that it is really only these two extreme ends of one of the most parodied sort of culture Mm -hmm. or the most violent sort of destructive behavior and i think that it kind of ties into a point that you brought up, and I'm I'm curious what you what you might say about it, is the many ways into and out of this piece because this is an intensely an intensely complicated piece with that hopefully will stand some test of time that a piece that I can explain to I my grandkids. Um, but I'm curious, like what? Uh, how do you think the average person should approach a piece like this? Well, how do you think that, like in a a non-historian, when you when you want to dive into a piece like this, is it is it important to try and keep yourself grounded in like your own understanding of the of the issues that Glover is bringing up, or do you think that the goal should be more to be more open to uh, Glover's interpretation? How, how do you think that someone should try and get into a piece like this? So. Um... I don't think we should ever depend on our own. Or, 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 I'm a historian, mm-hmm. and so um, I think depending on our own, uh, und- the understanding that we bring to a piece and, and beginning and stopping there is, um, is a great loss. Um, of course, this is entertainment, right? And mm-hmm. in a second, maybe I'll circle back to that, right? It's entertainment, and it's, um, 
it's meant to when you look at it on YouTube, you got to watch an ad, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> some someone's making money, someone's meant to make money. But I hope the the way that I would want people to um a- approach it and approach any piece of African American culture is to is to look at it for what it is, but then hope uh, and what they see, right? And 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 to an internally digest it. Um, but then to branch out from there, um, wh- one of the things that I think is uh, I, that I think is remarkable about the piece is the the connection between the ways that African American historians have long talked about African American history, and and, and that is um, African American history is American history, right? And in the way that I just said it, uh, what people mean by it is that. It's just part of our American story, right? It needs to be included if you're doing American history. I think what Glover helps us to do is to sort of change the intonation of that just a little. African-American history is American history. And so what you think about American history, the the storyline that you have um, in your mind about the greater arc of American history, that arc needs to be tested against African-American history, right? And, and African-American history is not necessarily um, an arc of going from freedom to freedom, right? The, the American Revolution looks differently in African-American history, but I would argue that African-American history is American history. And so what you think, what the revolution is in some very important ways is how African-Americans experience it. it. It's greater enslavement in the South. It's the expansion of enslavement. It's the um, the creation of these dualities, greater dualities between free and enslaved and the greater dehumanization of, of, of enslaved folks. Um, African-American history is what post-Reconstruction life looks like in, in, in America, those tragic, those tragic moments. And I should step back. I shouldn't even call them tragic moments, right? Because mm-hmm. the point I'm trying to make is that they're fundamental to our um, successes, but I really want to rush to say our failures as a, as a, as a society. And, and sometimes they're designed, they're designed in. Um, I said I was going to circle back to something. To entertainment. Right, is, is that we also have to critique this piece in the same way that I imagine Glover is critiquing. This piece exists within the society that he's critiquing, mm-hmm. right? That it's almost as if, like, uh, it's, this is America is his own way of saying that all of history is, all of African-American history is American history. That uh, the most prevalent social issues that um, all Americans face are issues that African-Americans face, too. Yeah, and but also that his critique of of um, social media and consumerism needs to be brought to bear on this piece of art as as well, right? So it needs to be brought to bear on Glover as an artist, on Glover as a creator, as a manufacturer of of um, popular culture. And so there's all this pain, right, that is um, wrapped up in here, in this piece. And we've largely talked about the, the positive aspects of it, right? But there are also critiques that, that come to mind of 
is what does the commodification, right? There's also a long history of the commodification of black people and of black suffering and, and, of, and of black um, pain for capitalistic gain. Um, and, and that critique um, that I'm not qualified to bring, <laughs> I rush to add, also needs to be brought to bear to this piece. So. One point that I think uh, Doreen St. Felix made, which is very, very interesting, is that it's like the response to the video has been like to this point, like very complicated, that there are a lot of it's not just the positives. It's just all, it is a lot of different ideas and issues, which um, it's, it's hard to parse through all of it mm-hmm. at once. And um, one point that she made when, to quote her again, which I think was very interesting, was that um, the truth is that this video and what it suggests about its artist is very difficult. A lot of black people hate it. Glover forces us to relive public traumas and barely gives us a second to breathe before he forces us to dance. There is an inescapable disdain sewn into the fabric of This Is America. The very fact that the dance scenes are already being chopped into fun little gifs online, divorcing them from the video's brutality only serves to prove his point. That there is an intensely, it's an an intensely interwoven conversation of Mm -hmm. all of these ideas of Mm -hmm. what is America. It isn't it isn't just commentary on one issue. It isn't just mm-hmm. the the detail that gets brought up a lot is uh, every time there's a shooting, the guns get carried away very carefully mm-hmm. in a red uh, handkerchief, probably like a commentary on like typically Republican uh, politicians being overwhelmingly in favor of um, reduced gun regulation and Gambino critiquing that but it's not just can i can i just rush something else uh-huh. just this is an old person's critique uh-huh. <laughs> and i don't know what glover has read or does or, or does read but there is a prominent there's a there's a prominent theme in um, african-american folklore around the slave trade and why how slaves were brought to america mm-hmm. and these these stories are prevalent uh, especially along the sea islands of Georgia and South Carolina, and basically they're red cloth tales and, oh. and the stories about the slave trade that a lot of um, WPA interviewers um, collect in the 1930s is that bl- African Americans in the 1930s are telling stories about how their ancestors were enslaved, and they were enslaved, they argue, by white men bringing red cloth to, to Africa and attracting people oh, with wow. the red cloth onto, onto the slave so ships. Much of, that's, and again, that's a, another example of if you read the like the breakdowns of of the piece online, a lot of times most there is actually very good what I would call like, I don't know, rap academia mm-hmm. on like rap genius. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like highly mm-hmm. annotated and discussed like what does the artist mean when they say this? What does this image mean? And it's it's intensely complicated, um, but the, the consistently the reference is like, oh, it's clearly a, an attack at Republicans who protecting guns above the human life, and I, I'm sure there is an element of that. But I like I didn't know that that the the stories of of um, Africans stolen mm-hmm. by uh, like slave traders is are yeah. red cloth stories. That's interesting. Work, the Savannah Unit. I'm going to go ahead and get the citations. <laughs> Savannah <laughs> Unit of the Work Progress Administration. The book is called Drums and Shadows. Okay, as well as the um, like the another more to this point of um, rap academia. There was the discussion that the two gold chains. Uh, Gambino's outfit in general. He's wearing the Confederate pants, mm-hmm. which is a the the probably the most frequently pointed out thing in any breakdown you've seen of the video. But the two gold chains, one is supposed, I, I forgot 
what what they cite this to, like why they make the, how they come to this conclusion. But that was interesting and probably not out of the realm of possibility that one of the chains is supposed to mean bondage and the other represents consumerism, meaning he's quite literally wearing like chains as a slave would, but also is wearing a chain as a as an example of his own like a demonstration of his mm-hmm. wealth in, in in a representation of consumer culture and the importance of consumer culture and displaying your wealth for other people um but again with with something like that it isn't there isn't anything that in like specifically conveys or specifically tells us that that's the answer and the whole time we're going through this piece and i think you made a very good point when you're talking about it, when we're going through this piece there's really there isn't any one guiding thread. There isn't any one important theme. And that's why I think that this piece, and I, I'm really glad you did a lecture about it, I think this piece will stand the test of time because it's something that is so intensely rich but is also so essentially modern. It's such an unbelievably modern piece that like we, I don't think we'll ever really run out of things to talk about about it. Um, that being said, we're... I, I think we might want to wrap up sort of soon. Any closing thoughts, any things you want to say in praise or in disgust about the piece? I, I just want to say one of the things that I would be interested in seeing is, is something that in, interprets this piece along the lines of Glover's development as, as an entertainer. Um, I, I read some stuff in, in that New Yorker article. I, I didn't, I know Glover very like loosely I, I followed his work especially like on TV mm-hmm. like Atlanta and um, community and then in movies but um, as far as the trajectory of his career, I'm sure it'd be really interesting to like tie in the two I think the, the it's how he comes to this voice I think is what I what what I'd really be interested in so I've I've I'm old. Y'all asked, y'all asked me to speak anyway. But so I'd never seen him on Community. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever watched Community. I, I have watched both seasons of Atlanta. Um, but my earliest um, introduction to him was on either Amazon or Netflix. I think it was Amazon mm-hmm. on a, a, a stand-up show that he did where he's in a – I'm not going to remember the name of it mm. – um, he was on Weirdo. Those... Oh, I think yeah, it's yeah. called Weirdo. Uh-huh. I haven't seen it, but I know he was on that, and he was on SNL, and he wrote okay. for 30 Rock for right. a while. I remember. Mm-hmm. So that I read in, in, in preparation. Um, but I found his voice in Weirdo. I hope it's called Weirdo. Um, I just found really interesting contrasts and allusions to a kind of development between the voice that I, I, I hear in Atlanta, the voice that I hear in This Is America, and the voice that is, is, is prevalent in, in Weirdo. And I would really be interested in, in seeing a, a take that took him through the entertainment industry and, and really paid attention to his development as an across artist. Across his discography, I don't know how much of his music outside I know of two music. songs. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at Redbone his, and This Is America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, those are, even, even those are a good example. They're very di- they're similar. Um, they're closer together than than his earlier music okay. is to to um, this is America, 
downloading it right <laughs> when we finish. As should you at home. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Bird, for coming oh. on the show. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we hope to have you and other history faculty members on the podcast at some point. If you want to check out the Rice Historical Review, go to ricehistoricalreview.org. You can listen to this podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Check out this podcast as well as Eliza Martin's Honors Thesis podcast, which should get posted very soon as well. Thank you all so much. Just a big dog, yeah. My kid came in the backyard. My barbarian life is so dope. Party life.